So before I begin the formal talk this evening, I'd like to encourage you to see what it's like to listen to the talk while you're being mindful of the breathing. And the way I think about this, a few ways, I think first off, and I'll just sense my body sitting here and then let the breath start to come into the foreground. And then to establish the mindfulness of breathing, of being aware of the breath, with the breath. And then including the talk, so that I'm not trying to blot out the talk with the breathing, but, I'm, but I want to stay with the breathing and let the talk be part of that. And you can try it and see, see if you can See if you can hear me while you're breathing. And generally, it's not so hard. You just stay with the breath. The words come in. As long as I'm speaking loud enough, and you can let me know if I'm too quiet. Sometimes I am. Or you can let me know if, um, um, you know, maybe your ears aren't working so well. We have help for that. But it's, it's generally, if we're present and the ears are functioning, I'm speaking loud enough, the hearing will happen naturally. And you can even practice, and this is a good time to experiment, with being with the breath and letting your eyes be open if you'd like. It's fine to keep them closed if you like. But if you have your eyes open, you can see that you can actually stay with the breathing, let the eyes be open, and just let the sights come to you like the sounds are coming to you. And you can play with it, experiment, um, explore it. You know, maybe establish yourself in the breathing a little and then open your eyes. Or notice how it is to stay with the breathing, hear my words, and then notice that you're even comprehending them even as you stay with the breathing. So, and it, it's a really good lead-in for my topic tonight and the topic of the retreat, the subject of the retreat, which is concentration and the breath. And so I'd like to talk about this subject of our meditation, the breath, the breath meditation. I think of it as, I think what we're doing here right now is minding the breath, taking our time, taking our intention, taking our um, capacities to begin to get to know the breath in a very full way, in a very complete way, in a very dedicated way, in a very continuous way, to see what is the possibility, what happens as we devote ourselves to the breathing, as we give ourselves to the breathing for this day, for the next days, in the service of developing our concentration or letting the concentration grow and develop quite naturally as we give ourselves to the breathing. And I'd like to give just a little context in terms of my own experience of working with the breath and concentration. When I first came to practice over 20 years ago, there was actually a lot of emphasis on being with the breath and developing concentration. 
and the emphasis was um, very much in the style or the school of Mahasi Sayadaw, that you really work very hard to develop concentration as a support for mindfulness. And there were two kinds of concentration you wanted to develop. You wanted to develop by being with the breath. You wanted one wanted to develop uh, kinika, kanika, kinika, kanika um, uh, concentration, which is moment by moment concentration, by being with the breath, by being with the details of the breath, the changing nature of the breath, really starting to pay attention to the details. And as that deepens, developing into what Philip referred to as neighborhood concentration or access concentration. And from there, moving to insight. And access concentration, just simply put, is a state of concentration where the hindrances are in abeyance. And uh, yet not in the seclusion of jhana. So very concentrated, very calm, tranquil, centered, unified, but not totally absorbed, still focusing on mindfulness as the key. And um, actually, and at that point, the jhanas were discouraged. To go into full absorption was discouraged. It was discouraged a number of ways. One, it didn't lead to insight. There was the uh, caveat about the jhanas and that um, people got attached to them, so that wasn't good. And over the years, I've watched mindfulness of breathing and concentration kind of rise and fall in, in, in and out of favor within our community, the community of Spirit Rock and IMS and Gaia House. And, and um, there was actually a certain period where mindfulness of of breathing and developing concentration in this way was a little bit looked down upon or thought not to be a high practice or, you know, sky-like mind was much more important or, you know, big mind or something was drifting through Dzogchen or some other practice. And then it's come back again in the last number of years, both as a community and for me personally. I've been doing a lot of this kind of practice the last number of years. And it has much more of a flavor of, it has a slightly different flavor, at least in my own practice. There has more been the flavor of being mindful of the breathing to develop concentration. So instead of developing concentration in the service of mindfulness, developing mindfulness in the service of deepening concentration, and then the movement towards deeper states of concentration, absorption, or jhana. And some of this has been through the lineage, a different lineage. And of course, in each lineage, you'll get different flavors of teaching, which is appropriate. So Mahasi Sayadaw had the flavor of developed concentration for mindfulness. The forest tradition of Ajahn Lee Damodaro, one develops mindfulness in order to develop concentration. One uses mindfulness to develop concentration. Then the deeper states of concentration as then opening to insight and freedom. And it 
for me it explained a little bit that I didn't understand about the teachings. It clarified a few things. One of the things that I found helpful was if you look at the Eightfold Path, the Eightfold Noble Path is divided into three baskets, sila, samadhi, and panya. Panya is the wisdom basket. It's comprised of um, right understanding and right intention. And that sila is the virtue basket, and it's comprised of right, right uh, action, right livelihood, right speech, how we enact the dharma, how we enact a, a life of harmlessness. Um, and then there's the samadhi basket. And I never understood, or didn't understand for a long time why it was called the samadhi basket if mindfulness was the key. Because samadhi is what we generally and not totally accurately translate as concentration. Why is it called samadhi? And then also that samadhi, the basket of samadhi consists of three the development of these three qualities of right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And so to see it from a different perspective, that one can use mindfulness to develop concentration, and concentration can be the jump-off point for insight, started, made sense to me then why we would call this basket samadhi, why the Buddha valued samadhi in this way why he thought it was important for us. Now, uh, I won't say much about this, but really, ultimately, I don't see them as so different anymore, mindfulness and concentration. We need them both. We need them both. We need to develop them both. However we want to do that, whatever way works for you, they're both very important to develop, deepen, and utilize in the service of awakening. <clears throat> so here we've been emphasizing the breath, paying attention to the breath, being mindful of the breath. Instead of stressing the mindfulness side, we're stressing the concentration side. We're paying attention in order to begin to collect ourselves with the breathing, gather ourselves, compose ourselves with the breath begin to center ourselves and use the breath as the through line for this whole retreat. The breath will be the through line in which we keep coming back to, organizing ourselves, settling ourselves, relaxing with, opening to, feeling, paying attention. And so that even, and we'll do that partly by being mindful and partly through our consistency through our steadfastness or steadying the mind with the breathing. And one way we could consider or contemplate mindfulness of breathing is as a means and a way to build our composure and our collectedness. And in learning how to not just be with the breath, but um, immerse ourselves in the breathing, devote ourselves so that the breath becomes, starts to become um, somewhat a, um, a constant experience or a very immediate experience and a, an experience that begins to deepen itself 
will discover the power of the breath to mature, develop and mature concentration. The power of the breath to support our relaxation, um, our pleasure of being here, which is an important part of concentration, our ease, our comfort, and our calm. Now, Philip was, Philip talked a little last night about the meaning of concentration. I'd like to add some definitions. One definition that I found in the dictionary for concentration is the point around which a circle is drawn. The point around which a circle is drawn. And I like that I like that definition because there's an inclusiveness that's uh, indicated. There's a centeredness and, and an inclusiveness both. And I, I find that very helpful, especially as we start to concentrate, to see that the breath becomes the point. But we're not, we're not trying to get rid of anything. It's not the most skillful way to practice concentration is to try to get rid of things or deny things or be in contention with the various arisings, right? We're asking you to do a very simple practice here today. Be with the breath. How many people find that, found that hard once or twice during the day, right? Notice that, oh, there were all these other things happening, right? Not the breath. Like maybe you were thinking once or twice today. Did that happen for anybody? Or maybe your body was aching during the day. Or maybe there were, you were just bored during the day. Or just different feelings that happened. Emotions, moods. If we start to think of concentration at the beginning here as the point around which a circle is drawn, then we're going to work with that point, with that through line, right? The breathing. But we're going to include everything else. And we're going to include it in a slightly different way that we would if we were just being mindful. If we were being mindful, we would let go of the breath and be mindful of the feelings or mindful of the thinking process or mindful of the sound. In the development of concentration, we don't want to deny the things that are happening. We need to work with what's true. But but what I've found most helpful in my own practice is to breathe with whatever is happening. And so then the development of concentration becomes inclusive. It's not either or. It's not the breath or the sounds. It's not the breath or the feelings. It's, not, it's the breath and the feelings at times. It's the breath and the ache in the body at times. It's the breath and the sounds at times. And then we come closer to a word, the way the Buddha, one of the ways the Buddha talked about concentration is mahagatam chittam. Chittam means mind. Mahagatam is this, the, the translation I saw is an enlarged awareness. An enlarged awareness, which is not exactly how we think of concentration. We tend to think of it as a narrowing. And I want to propose to you the possibility that concentration may be an enlarged awareness, even if it's focused on a very simple subject, like the breath. And so I think of it this way. I think that 
even if we're focusing just on the breath at the nostrils, that the awareness is very full. It's not just that we narrow it. The awareness is a full awareness of the breath, a complete awareness of the breath at the nostrils. The, the, the breath itself is filling awareness. Awareness is filling the breath. It's not just a narrowing down or a tightening or a limiting that it may fully immerse in the breath so that at times, oh, the sounds or the ache in the body or the anything else, actually, we don't even notice it. But that's part of the fullness of being concentrated, not necessarily the narrowness. And in this way, we start to work with the... the um, image or the skillful means of foreground and background that we've all spoken to a little bit. So that at times the breath will be totally in the, fo- in the, in the uh, foreground. It'll fill awareness. At other times that's not how it is. There'll be other things, but we're, it's part of the circle around which a point is drawn. That we can include that we're still being with the breath, but the breath isn't filling the awareness in the same way. There's other things that are in the awareness. But the awareness stays quite full, quite open, an enlarged awareness, as the Buddha said. Concentrate comes from the root, which means to draw together, to collect or assemble, to bring together. And part of what we're doing here is bringing together body and mind through the breathing. We're unifying our being through the breath. And one of my favorite uh, translations of samadhi is the unification of mind or the unification of being. That our whole presence is be, it becomes unified with concentration, with samadhi. And it's a, it's a process. It generally doesn't happen like that. And part of the art of concentration practice is actually to appreciate the process so we can support the natural movement of the process to deepen. And so part of what that means, or might mean, and this is really for your um, exploration and experimentation um, and inquiry during this retreat, which is, how does that happen? How does concentration start to deepen and richen and mature? Part of the way I think about it, especially the first days, is to really emphasize relaxing, to really emphasize a kind of uh, graciousness, a non-striving, a non-pushing, a non-tightening. And... And partly the way I understand it is I don't see concentration as something we do, but something that arises and um, thickens. It's like cooking something. You know, when you cook something, you don't, it doesn't just happen like that. You actually have to put all the right ingredients together, and then you put it in the oven. And if you take it out a minute later, it's often not cooked. It might take 45 minutes or an hour or three hours for the turkey to cook or the vegetarian turkey to cook, whatever you're, you're eating these days. Um, I think of samadhi, the development of samadhi is, is, is we're going to put together the various ingredients, the various skillful means, and then 
it's the samadhi will bake over these days over the while we're sitting while we're standing while we're walking the samadhi's baking it's baking and it doesn't just you know it's not like the whole turkey gets cooked at once one part might get a little more you know cooked first and then the rest that's getting cooked in the inside may take a teeny bit longer than the outside that it's a, it's a process and if we can appreciate the process then we can come into a kind of harmony with the process and that harmony is is a tremendous support for concentration harmony has a sense of ease with it a sense of well-being a sense of um, relaxation with it As Philip mentioned, and I'd like to reiterate, often people have his baggage with even the word concentration. Right? It's many of us were told if you don't concentrate, you'll never amount to anything. Or if you don't concentrate on your schoolwork, you'll never go to college. And there's always this like I've got to bear down, I've got to tense up and there's you can feel the breath gets tight as soon as i say all that stuff or the word concentrate concentration camp i mean it's not it's not a good association generally that we have with this word um and so at least and especially as a young man when i came to practice and i was trying to concentrate it was a lot of straining a lot of striving a lot of efforting a lot of kind of muscular effort a contracted effort pressured pressuredness and you know that has its time and place and it even worked i mean i actually did get concentrated um but it was heavy-handed and it it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable ultimately when i would get there when i would finally get concentrated it was like oh great but then it was all the only way i knew how to do it was from working hard and actually the way i got concentrated on my first retreat was through pain and i actually got very concentrated it was quite powerfully concentrated but then i thought oh the next retreat i came and i just started sitting waiting for the pain to come so i could get concentrated thankfully i've learned that like you can get concentrated through pleasure and i'm totally sold on it now so i hope to sell you a little bit on this idea one of the instructions that i found very helpful around this was when i did my first uh, long metta retreat and and i was starting to um you know i'm a little bit of have a little kind of male macho side to practice and i was starting to do that i was starting i'm going to stay up late and get up early and not eat much and you know do that kind of practice which i know how to do and the teacher said oh you know you don't have to do that this is metta practice i'm like what do you mean he said he said do whatever gladdens your heart that's more the flavor of practice do whatever gladdens your heart I was like, "Wow, that's a great instruction. Do whatever gladdens your heart within the context of the retreat and one's intention to practice diligently." And I just thought that I I thought that was beautiful and I still think that is a beautiful um practice and I would suggest to you uh 
how, how would it be to translate that to your practicing with the breath? Do whatever it is, do whatever you need to gladden the breath while you're here, within the context of your intention to be with the breathing and to stay within the form and parameters of the retreat. See what it is. And, and this will come, this will re- reverberate during the days. You'll hear it in a day or two. You'll hear, oh, gladden the breath. Wow, relaxing now would gladden the breathing. Or just taking it easy now. Or just, just sinking into the breath would really make it glad right now. Or allowing it to be so big, as big as it is or as small as it is. Allowing it to be just as it is will gladden it. And so one of the questions that you'll work with, not so much as a cognitive question, but as an ongoing part of the process, is how to support your practice of bringing a sense of ease and enjoyment and gladdening to each moment of your retreat. Not so much to think about it, but just to notice what allows you to Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your breath. Enjoy the movement of of unity, of this unification of body and heart and mind and breath all together. I think of this as gracious practice, that there's a way to be gracious in how we practice. And really the traditional word would be to be noble. The Buddha's followers were known as the noble ones. It implies a certain graciousness, a certain kind of gracious presence. So we're paying attention to the breath, being mindful of the breath. And this is, a, this is traditionally known as anapanasati. Mindfulness is the in and out breath. And the Buddha describes this clearly in the first two teachings of Anapanasati. While breathing in long, one knows I breathe in long. While breathing out long, one knows I breathe out long. While breathing in short, one knows I breathe in short. When breathing out short, one knows I breathe out short. And then we expand that to include, to know exactly how the breath is in each moment the texture of it, the felt sense, as Philip was emphasizing, that felt sense of what's a long breath feel like, a short breath, a full breath, a tight breath, a rough breath or a smooth breath, a deep breath, a a shallow breath, without judging it or doing anything, just being with the actual, direct, immediate sensations of that breath, knowing it by being in contact with it, bringing the body, bringing the mind together with the breathing so that it's known, it's felt, it's understood, it's comprehended in the immediacy of the felt sense moment of breathing. And this is part of the art of meditation, the part of the art of our training, to begin to be with things as they are by being with the breath as it is, not to judge but learning how to uh, evaluate, see what's needed without any pejorative judgment. And when we're mindful of the breath, when we pay attention of the breath, to the breath in this way, we also see all the other things we saw today. Thinking, 
worrying, wishing, wanting, aching, tired, energies, restless, the hindrances, wanting, not wanting, doubting. Why did I ever sign up for a concentration retreat? And that's part of what happens. That's part of the purification that comes as we start to unify with the breathing. It shows us everything that's not the breathing. It's very natural. It's actually an important part of what we're doing so that the clarity comes. And again, we work with it in terms of foreground and background. We don't have to deny those things, but we keep letting the breath come into the foreground, the breath merge into the foreground. Even with the desire or the aversion or the tiredness, even with the restlessness or the doubt. And what we start to develop here is a powerful receptivity of being receptive to these sensations of breathing that are happening in each moment. Every moment we're alive. Learning how to allow them, how to accept them. We're developing the skillful means, the ingredients that will support concentration. We're starting to become intimate with the breathing. Thich Nhat Hanh said this, he said, our breath is the bridge from our body to our mind, the element that reconciles our body and mind and makes possible a oneness of body and mind. Breath is aligned to both body and mind and it alone is the tool that can bring them together, bringing the power of concentration. We're also practicing mindfulness with breathing. And you hear this in the Buddha's next uh, instructions in Anapanasati. He says, one trains oneself, sensitive to the whole body, I breathe in. Sensitive to the whole body, I breathe out. One trains oneself, calming the whole body, I breathe in. Calming the whole body, I breathe out. And when you hear the term whole body here, it's translated two ways. One is the whole body, we start to get sensitive and we start to calm. It's also translated as the whole body of the breath. We get sensitive and we begin to calm, that that the breath begins to calm and relax and has an impact on the mind in that way. And in this way, this is the foreground background. This is, e- or it, actually, maybe it's more accurate to say it's the point around which the circle is drawn. This is using the breath with the other experiences, but letting the breath be the through line. So when we're sad or we're tired, still to let the breath be at the center without denying anything else, breathing with, being sensitive to our experience. And breathing with experience in this way is a little different than trying to get concentrated. If I make my effort to try and get concentrated, I'll usually be aversive to the other experiences that happen. And the aversion is a kind of tension, a kind of suffering. If I'm not aversive to the other experiences, but kind of include them, but I include them in the experiences, okay, What's it like to breathe with my sadness right now? What's it like to breathe with my boredom right now? 
Not as, and I'm, I'm giving you a conceptual question, but it's more that felt sense. What's the felt sense of breathing with my achy knee right now? What's the felt sense of the breath, the whole body of the breath, even as somebody's walking and making a lot of noise in the meditation hall? What's the felt sense of the breath as I'm a little disheartened? Or what's, and this is, I found very helpful, what's it like to stay with the breath even though I'm not concentrated? Right? There's a state of concentration, there's a state of not being concentrated. We'll have both here. What's it like to be with the breath even if I'm not concentrated? And this flavor of practice keeps allowing the breath to come to the foreground, come to the foreground, without being in contention with our experience. And this will include both physical and emotional pain, which I'm sure everybody's had some of today. The body's tired on the first day, it gets achy, the heartaches come to some extent. So let's go a little more directly towards the breathing itself. How to establish our presence within the breath. And there are many different ways, and I'm going to say a number of different ways, but these are not the only ways. You may know other ways to establish your presence in the breathing, to establish that sense of starting to become unified with the breath. We've, uh, we've been doing some. One is, Philip did a little body sweeping, right? Starting to scan the attention through the body, either formally or a few different places, in order to see where can we relax the body so we can settle here and then allow the breath to come to the foreground. For some people like to just feel the whole body sitting here, feel the posture of the body as a way to begin to establish themselves here in the present moment and then let the breath come to the foreground. Some people like to make an intention, like to re, um, reconnect with their intention to be with the breathing at the beginning of each sitting. And so there may be a little moment of Oh, may I connect with the sitting as best as possible, or as fully as, may I connect with the breathing as fully as possible in this sitting? And then letting the intention go, letting the heart, letting the power of intention um, do whatever it does. Some people make a firm resolve. Okay, I'm going to do everything I can to be with the breath in this sitting. And then and then let the resolve have its power. And then however you begin, sweeping or the posture, some people even do sounds and then move to the breath. Listen to the sounds. And then it's very common, very helpful. Philip said it, I think, I don't know if Sally said it also, about beginning to aim one's attention to be able to aim at the sensations of breathing itself. And then as we connect with the breath to sustain or um, stay with the breath for, for just one breath, for the duration, 
And notice what it's like to aim and sustain. This is one translation of Taka and Vichara. There's another, it's called, um, that one of my teachers used called uh, uh, Applied and Evaluative Thought. Applied and Evaluated Thought. Yeah, that's what he says. That you apply your mind to the breathing and then you evaluate how you're staying with it. And it sounds very clunky, but actually it's just, it's the same. It's aiming and sustaining and just noticing when you go off or not, paying attention in that way. One of the ways that I like to establish the breathing is to feel the body. And actually, don't, I don't go to the breath. I let the breath come to me. You could try it. Feel your whole body. And don't go anywhere. Stay in the body for a moment or two. And then let the breath come to you. Because the breath is always coming to us when we're here. It's always breathing. And this can be very helpful if you feel like you're controlling the breath, which some people feel sometimes. They feel like they get tight when they try to go to the breath. If you're tight, then don't go to the breath. Let the breath come to you. Take that gracious posture. Find your presence here in the body and let the breath come to you and start like that. And then as the breath comes to you, instead of instead of thinking I'm going to stay with the breath or be mindful of the breath, see what it's like instead maybe to rest your attention with the breath or float your attention with the breath. And here you'll hear, I'm just playing with words because different words, different phrases will speak to different people and you want to use the phrase or the word or the guideline that speaks to you. And it may work for the whole retreat or it may work for a day or two and then a new guideline or, or idea or emphasis will then work. And so that it's a really living um, exploration of what it means to be with the breath. And how does that concentration deepen? How, you know, at first maybe it's with resolve and then we see it's more relaxation and then we see it's with floating the tension and then we see it's with melting into the breath. And then after another day or so, it's like, oh, I become the breath, it feels like. There's nothing but breath. That it can be many, 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 many different ways. And so it's part of the joy, part of the um, fun of um, mindfulness of breathing in this way and concentrating, being consistent in this way, is um, what's called um, interest or the rapture that can come this kind of uh, engagement that's, full, that, that's fully um, the mind's, part of the mind's unification with the breathing is rapturous. It's the joy of curiosity, of interest. So resting the attention, floating the awareness. Different skillful means will work for different people. Noting, we gave some noting instruction today, really can help be a great support for for being with the breath. Counting can be a really great support for, for learning how to stay with it, stay with it, stay with it in a relaxed way. Personally, 
I like to tune into the sensuous nature of the breath itself. That there's a level of aliveness. Again, it's the felt sense, but it's a felt sense on the level of the life of the breath, the mystery of the breath, this changing magical aliveness that when I start to, when the attention starts to um, sink into or soak into or immerse into breath, it's sensuous. It's alive. It's cool. I, I think it's cool. And, and, I, and I let the sensuousness draw me in. I let myself surrender to it or give myself to it. A little bit the flavor of Philip was saying today, he was talking about the heart and offering, as the, that we offer, we're offering ourselves to the breath. Sometimes I, when I, at this level, I think of the breath as the beloved, which is not a Buddhist term particularly, but it works for me at times. And so at this level, it's like, oh, I'm, I'll, I just want to give myself to the breathing totally. And it's really a different, all of this, a different flavor than when I was first practicing. I'll tell you one story where, again, I was a little bit of a macho meditator. And at one point I was like determined I was going to stay with the breath at the nostrils like there was no way you were going to get me off. It was that kind of attitude. It's a little like, you know, you get on the horse and you're going to stay on the horse no matter what. So I got on the horse and I'm being with the breath and being with the breath. But the tension and the, the concentration and even the mindfulness, it was all so heavy that at some point my nose started jumping all over my face. It was a very odd experience, but I'm sitting there, it's like, wow, and the breath is moving, and I'm riding it like a bucking bronco, and I'm going to stay, and then... And I went in, and I, I told the teacher what happened, and the teacher looked at me, and they said, uh, in, the, in the text it said it's like you want to rub the object, like you're rubbing soft leather. You know? And she said, I'm not sure you're doing it exactly right. <laughs> I learned a lot, but I also learned that it, it's just, it's not, for the life of practice, that doesn't work. It's too tiring. It's not fun. It's not pleasurable enough. And part of your investigation of concentration will be to find the pleasure, find the way in, find the delight or the goodness or the gladness that comes as we unify with the subject, with the breathing. One other piece I just want to say about the formal, or a couple pieces. One is um, that, so instead of forcing or striving, I much more think about devoting, dedicating, surrendering, giving myself, offering, as Philip said. That flavor of practice as if the breath is the Buddha. You know, just whatever, whatever way to conceptualize that kind of practice that really brings my heart into the practice, my love of the Dharma, into the, right into being with the breathing. And you'll see what that is for you, what kind of offering you'll make to the breath. Two other pieces about the 
breathing here, which is just notice how you end the sitting. When the bell rings, notice if you jump off the breath. Or notice if you stay with the breath and let the world come to you by opening your eyes and your awareness, enlarging that circle, staying with the point now. Even if you've been very absorbed at a certain point, enlarging the circle, the sights will come, the sounds, the movement, getting up. And then in the same spirit, I um, personally when I've done this style of practice, I found the walking the hardest for me because I was so used to lifting, moving, placing, and doing that kind of concentration practice. Um, I actually found it much easier in the eating for some reason. And so here's what I learned in the eating. What I would do is I would sit down and I would just start by breathing and being with the breath. And then I would do a very slow eating, but I would definitely um, establish myself with the breathing and then bring the food into that breathing. Again, establish that point and circle and bring the food within that instead of going out to the food. And then what I did was transpose that or yeah, transpose that into the walking. And so I would actually spend a fair amount of time just standing and really establishing myself in mindfulness of the breathing um, as I was standing, really get, get centered in the breath as I was standing. And then bring the walking into that as instead of going out to the walking start walking from the breathing so those are a couple ways that I experimented that work for me see what works for you to bring not only the sitting and the walking but the eating and the toothbrushing and really every part of your day every moment into the breathing Now, the Buddha describes this kind of practice in one of the suttas. Um, In Mindfulness Immersed in the Body, the Mindfulness of the Body Sutta, he talks about breathing in this way, that one trains oneself to be aware of the breath and the sensitive to the body, etc. And then he describes the benefits as one remains with the breathing, and relaxes one's involvement in the outer world. As one starts to get sent, get concentrated, he says, one's mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows unified and centered. This is how a monk develops mindfulness immersed in the body. And I love those words. I love the idea that the mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows unified and centered. Because we all know what it is to be centered. We all know what it's like not to be centered. And so one way we could start to think about concentration, concentered, it actually means to move to the center or with center, is that we start to center in our breathing. We start to find our center in the breath and let ourselves develop that center calming the breath, being sensitive to the breath, beginning to immerse the awareness, soak the awareness, settle the awareness. I'm using a lot of different words. See what words fit for you. 
Sometimes I think of merging the awareness and the breathing, melding the awareness and the breathing. Saturating the, the breath with the awareness. Saturating the awareness with the breath. And again, for me, part of what's kind of sensual about it is it feels very intimate. There's an, it becomes an intimacy with the breathing. Every nuance of the breath is valued. Every taste of the breath, every, every part of the texture of the breath, keep letting the, the awareness and the breath mingle and merge so that it's known, the breath is known, each piece, each particle of the breathing, each particle of each breath. They begin to interpenetrate that the, the, the awareness is bathed in the breath, that our whole experience starts to become bathed in the breathing. Whether we're just with that centeredness of the breath or we, we allow the other experiences, our body or our thoughts or sounds, letting everything start to be bathed in the breathing. And then there's a kind of presence that we call samadhi, concentration, unification, oneness, hearness, absorption, starts to grow, develop quite naturally and deepen. And part of what will deepen it is if we recognize the pleasure of it. And usually people know. It's like often, at least my experience used to be, I'd go like this. I'd be trying to be with the breath and be with the breath. And this would be the breath and this would be the mind. And it'd be like this. And they'd be kind of circling each other, circling, circling. And all of a sudden there would be a lock on. And it would lock on. And that centeredness, that unification, at least in my experience, was always pleasurable. That there's something pleasurable. And, And generally part of what happens there is that the hindrances are in abeyance at that point. There's not a lot of desire or a lot of aversion or a lot of sleepiness. There's like, there's a balance of mind. There's somewhat the seven factors of enlightenment start to show themselves there. And there's this presence that just feels like home a little bit. It feels good. It took me a long time to understand that I could enjoy that goodness. That that's not a goodness to be afraid of or aversive to. The Buddha described, when he, when he discovered the middle way, he described it this way. He remembered, this is after he'd been an, a hedonist for his first 30 years, right? And then he'd been an ascetic for about five years. And then he realized it wasn't working and he started to take some food. And he had this memory of being in his father's orchard. And remember going into a natural samadhi, a natural collectedness, a natural sense of presence. And with that, he realized, he said, oh, and, and he remembered the pleasure of it. And he thought to himself, oh, do I have to be afraid of this pleasure? And he realized as he, as he kind of um, settled into it, He said, no, I do not have to be afraid of this pleasure. And he said, might this be the way to enlightenment? And he realized, oh yes, this is the way to enlightenment. Hallelujah, I say, you know, that he he got that. 
And so to start to recognize, without, without a lot of grasping for it, but just to know when you get settled, when, when it ha- and it'll happen, it won't happen with your will, but it'll happen with your intention and your devotion. That when there's a settledness and there's a pleasure there, let that pleasure be, begin to include that with the breathing, with the sensations of breath and the knowing of them. Let the pleasure be part of that. Don't trust that pleasure. And here, I'm going to say something that my teacher said to me, and if you get attached to that, it's not a problem. Okay? If you get a little attached, it's like a transitional object. You'll get attached maybe for a little while to the pleasure or the absorption, but it's not the end of the path, and you'll see that. But it's part, but it helps to um, immerse yourself in the pleasure and the absorption as part of learning the, the steps of the path, as part of what will support the movement towards freedom. And you might consider this, that the word breath, because we're talking about the breath, it's, um, it has the same root. It is the same. Its root is spirit. It inspires us. The in-breath is known as the inspiration. And when the breath is gone, we expire, right? And in the dictionary, spirit, the word spirit or vitality, um, spirit means the vital principle or animating force within living beings. And it comes from the French, esprit, and then from the Latin, spiritus, which means breath, from spear, to breathe. That spirit and breath are the same word. And so we're working here with a certain quality of spirit, a certain magical quality, a certain powerful uh, spirit, which is our own breath, our own life's breath. Suzuki, I'll end with Suzuki Roshi who talks about working with the breath. He says, when we practice, our mind always follows our breathing. When we inhale, the air comes into the inner world. When we exhale, the air goes out to the outer world. The inner world is limitless. And the outer world is also limitless. We say inner world or outer world, but actually there is just one whole world. If you think, I breathe, the I is extra. There is no you to say I. What we call I is just a swinging door that moves when we inhale and when we exhale. It just moves, that is all. When your mind is pure and calm enough to follow this movement, there is nothing, no I, no world, no mind, no body. So when we practice, all that exists is the movement of the breathing. But to be aware of that movement does not mean to be aware of your small sense of self, but rather of your universal nature, of your Buddha nature. 
one of the qualities of our universal nature is samadhi. Let's sit together for a minute, please. This talk was given by Eugene Cash at Spirit Rock Meditation Center on May 11, 2006. It is an offering of the Dharma.